crew is here to discuss Star Trek Lower Decks episodes three, four, five, and six. How's everybody doing? Doing all right. Yeah, as well as can be expected in these crazy times. I'm doing better than Patchy. Oh, shit. Look, I mean, the f- like, three through five were cool, but then I watched six this morning. I was like, what in the Game of Lo- Thrones level of violence is going on on this Star Trek show? What the hell is happening? I, for those in the audience that may not have been around or alive or too young for the joke that was badgy, it's basically based off of this old, like, Windows help service link called Clippy, which pretty much the world has hated since ever. I love Clippy. It's probably Clippy. the most icon out there. I love Clippy. I had Clippy. no problem with Clippy. I had no problem most of the time. I didn't have a problem with him. I hated Clippy. But I, I don't like Microsoft. So. But I don't like Microsoft, exactly. <laughs> I just disabled it. It was it was obnoxious as hell, but I disabled it. So. Yeah, I hate no Clippy. My, see, this is, this is why Badgie turned. Clippy was getting ready to turn, too. All, all the stuff he did for I'm us, and we just hating on him, hating, hating. Watch, watch Clippy get an update, and he's gonna be the start of the AI apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. I welcome it. So Look, episode exactly. Let's <laughs> take out Facebook and Twitter. So Look, I'm, just, I'm, I am completely burning it all at this point. Just, just let's just rip the bandaid off and get it over with. <laughs> Open the mummy caskets. Let the asteroids hit. Look, yes, you open the mummy. Hear, hear me out. Hear me out. <laughs> we should totally open them. I'm, that's all I'm saying. Should, go ahead. Yeah, I'm ready for MOTEP at this at this point. What do we have to lose? <laughs> uh, not, not much left anymore. Yeah, you're right. I was about to say everything. I was like, actually. I mean, we already have murder hornets. We got locusts tearing up various parts of different regions of Africa. We got all these fires everywhere. We got earthquakes popping on both sides of the fire ring. I mean, the only thing missing is a a serious volcano explosion, and we're pretty much here. Oh, did you know that there's a place in an underwater cavern in a volcano where sharks live? It's news that came out years ago, but I just thought it was interesting. No, I did not know that. I, it's bad right. enough to know no. that sharks can jump out of the water. I, I didn't need to know that. Didn't need to know that they could also <laughs> live in volcanoes. <laughs> look. And, and it's look, not, it's and always, I, at first I thought it was like, oh, it's just a dormant. It's like, no, it's it's actually an active volcano. And so they can survive just, the heat of lava. Great. The sharks Great. just be chilling in there. <laughs> just be in there chilling. That's why they've been here. That's why they've been around for so long. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> They're like roaches. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, back yeah, to the show. Back to the show. We're all over the place. So we had Temporal Edict where they got rid of buffer time and people started to lose their minds. We had Moist Vessel where uh, Captain Freeman decides to get back at uh, Mariner by promoting her. <laughs> <laughs> and that went Yo. just about as well as promoting someone with goats as a form of revenge. I felt that episode with my soul. Uh, we'll get to it, but I felt that in my soul. <laughs> oh, as I call him out, if you want to jump into him, then this is going to be like just a free flow. Um, Cupid's errant arrow, where Mariner is suspicious of Boimer's new girlfriend. Uh, she thinks she's a parasite. And then he was, I, and as the episode went on, I'm like, why is she with him again? <laughs> And, and it turns out there was a parasite that was causing her to be attracted to him, which is like the worst incel nightmare ever. And I don't know that it was a good idea to put that in an animated Star Trek cartoon because that just gives incels more fuel for the fodder or more fuel for the fire, as it were. And she she, she took the glass and walked away. She's like, I'm going to study your ass. <laughs> and he's like, I love you, Barbara. I love you, Barbara. I love you, Barbara. It was just, it was just hilarious. And then Cupid's errant arrow. Oh no, I'm sorry. Terminal provocations where there's a new ensign who's working with Mariner and Bulmer and uh, makes, I knew the minute he said, oh, I don't know what happened. I was like, this motherfucker is lying through his teeth. (laughs) And it was an episode about how mediocre white men get ahead. It really was an episode about how mediocre white men get ahead. (laughs) With the most unrealistic ending because he wound up being fired and that almost never happens. 
Great. Not only that, but he got fired on the Titan, which is Captain Riker's ship. <laughs> Will Riker decided, no, fuck this dude. You got to go <laughs> now. Wow. So which one do you want to talk about first or last or the most or just highlights? What were your thoughts, my friends? Okay. I- I finished Cupid's Errant Arrow. Well, I mean, let me let me take it back. I finished it, but I couldn't watch all of it because uh, my secondhand embarrassment started kicking in. <laughs> what? Watching how Boimler screwed the pooch every chance he got and mm-hmm. married the Zerk. It's like, oh, God, no. I, I watched half of it through my eyes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I'm not even going to lie. I've, I've been in situations where I was like, but why are you dating me? And that can, you can, you can, you can uh, uh, block your blessings big time. Yep, we call that self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. But he came out with the, the most sexiest outfit ever. Uh, it's man, uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just no. A hundred times no. No, 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 no. You know people are going to cosplay the hell out of that outfit. <laughs> or it's not happening right now. <sighs> Why? <laughs> I mean, actual cosplaying the uniforms before the show even came out. Of course, they're gonna cosplay those that 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 Gordon Gatrell outfit. Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> He's so awkward. Mm. I just like the fact that the the chain that the little rinky dinky pimp chain that some men wear is still something that is done in the 24th century and is still blah. <laughs> <laughs> and his was even weirder. It worked. <laughs> but it was because of the parasite. Yeah, it was, that, it was not her rational mind. True. Which is sad too, to a certain degree, because I've been thinking a lot about this show and the fact that this is going to sound awful and it's not meant to be. But we know Hollywood does not depict how real people look in real life. They just don't. They find the prettiest people like these are our brilliant scientists. And I'm not saying that there aren't some beautiful looking brilliant scientists of the male and female persuasion. I'm saying they're not cut like Adonis. Right. <laughs> Everybody's not a supermodel. Exactly. Right? No, you, you're absolutely. And because so, I've had this conversation many times when I say that, you know, a particular star is attractive mm-hmm. to me. And then I have to explain to certain people, yeah, okay, maybe this person is not Hollywood attractive, but if this person lived in your neighborhood, exactly, you'd be all over them. Like exactly. who that um um Chris Evans was dating at one point she was in Venom and oh. couldn't pronounce symbiote Jenny Jenny Slate yeah mm-hmm. yeah in in normal Hollywood she's just she's average but if she was a next door somebody's next door neighbor that would be somebody that would be something totally different that's true mm-hmm. that's true and so like so I say all that to say that the lead characters on this show I like it because. You know, we see the the Star Treks, even Deep, Deep Space Nine, too, everyone's very dignified and very measured. They have moments of passion, but they're all, it's almost like everyone's on, like, a Xanax trip. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out they interact with each other. And on this show, people are all like, okay, thank you. You can't tell me about at the rate we're going there about it. 24th century people will not still be flipping out and acting fucking crazy because these people are acting fucking crazy and flipping mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. I appreciate a different look at Starfleet. Like you Honestly, can't tell me you know, there yeah. aren't there there isn't a ship full of fuck ups that the Starfleet is like okay if we put any single one of these people on a regular ship they'll fuck it up but we if we put them all together on their own ship maybe we can make it work out maybe we could luck out here what? and there. But, 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 so this is the thing that I like is like, this is like the mirror image of Discovery. Because yeah. Discovery is the, is the island of misfit toys. Mm-hmm. Because that's the way that Lorca picked out the people for the ship. He picked the rejects, he picked the people that had flaws so he could ma- manipulate them. But even on with... the other side, you know, these are the misfit toys or the Cerritos. Yeah, but even within their, um, their fuck ups, they're still very like, dignified in their approach and how they how they talk to people they're just they're just 
surreal people. They're not real. Right. They're they're real people, but they don't feel as real as this group. Right. Because like, they're not designed to be approachable. Like, exactly. Yeah. They're the, aspirational. The they're not approachable. They're aspirational. Yeah. The best example of it is when, like, uh, I, I forgot which episode it was where the they were trying to destroy the moon to save the planet. And Captain Freeman was in the in the uh, the workspace talking to the one guy that was just jumping up and down saying, no, no, don't destroy the moon. And Commander Ransom sees like what obviously looks like a disaster. He goes, you know, the captain's got it. And it's like, you're looking at this and you're seeing the scene. It's like, well, does she have it? But he, he like believes that the, and the captain does have it because she, you know, kind of continued to work, but it looks like a freaking disaster. This guy throwing this tantrum and stalling like the destruction of the moon and the captain has to constantly, like, you know, kind of baby him a little bit until she finally gets, oh, you're just an asshole to saving your little piece because you only two people live there. Destroy the moon, you know. But, <laughs> but you know, Great. I just, yeah, yeah. Uh, just like that Commander Ransom just looks at the situation and goes, oh, now she's got it. She's got it. Mm-hmm. Any other Star Trek that he would have gone in to kind of back up the captain in some way, but nope, not this ship. Yeah, um... and I appreciate that. Like your your point about that, because that goes into like I think my favorite episode out of all of this is the one. Um, I'm always sketchy on episode names because I just don't pay attention to that stuff. Mm-hmm. But when um, with with the promotion, the last... uh, when Mariner ah. was pro- when Mariner was promoted, Moist um, Vessel, Moist Vessel, yeah, episode four, yeah, because it's like it's clear that Mariner is highly competent. And, and, and incredibly capable. But she's sort of an underachieving overachiever. Yeah. And absolutely. I appreciate that. Because not everybody is that not everybody is meant to be ambitious. Not everybody needs to be ambitious. Some people are just content with where they are. Right. The Mariner just seems to be happy as being a member of Lower Dicks. She doesn't want to advance. She could advance. She could be the next admiral if she wanted to, but she doesn't want to. Right, she's smart enough, she's connected enough, like, but she doesn't want to, and that's fine, you know? And so it's like, it was so funny, the reaction of, you know, I'll just give her, her the worst the worst jobs in the ship. And Marin was like, okay, I mean, y'all gonna pay me this, you know, if they got paid in Starfleet. Right. She basically had the, my check gets cashed, you know, every two weeks anyway. Exactly. Right. You know, y'all gonna pay me anyway, so y'all just tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it. But the minute she said, yeah, I'm going to promote you to lieutenant. No, wait, wait, hold a damn minute. <laughs> <laughs> See, I didn't ask for all of this. <laughs> and not only did they promote her, they promoted her and put her in a yellow shirt. Ooh. She has some responsibilities. Yep. It's like, I didn't ask for all of this. I am very good at the menial jobs that I do. <laughs> like I stay in my lane. <laughs> <laughs> And I have defined that lane. You don't get to define it for me. You don't get to tell me what I'm comfortable with. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's just something, it's it's a humorous way of looking at the way that, and I know all of you have felt it in one way or another, the way that sort of corporate America s- seems to want to push you, everyone on the same track. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, or they don't consider you to be ambitious. Yeah. When in actuality, one, people's ambitions are different, and also, not everyone is cut out for those ambitions. Exactly. Oh, that, mm-hmm. say, say it again for the people in the cheap seats. What was that again? Like, I want to be a supervisor. I never want to be a supervisor. I've done that before, and I hated every second of it. So let me find my lane and drive in it. I don't want to be in charge of anyone but myself. Right. And so, yes, that limits my career opportunities. But you know what? I'm fine with that. Because I get paid every two weeks, regardless. I will do my job. I will do it good, sometimes great. And, you know, stuff will get fixed. That's all I want. And, you know, I get paid and I can take care of my family. The end. Oh, going back to the most recent episode, the thing that was also cracking me up is how they... 
hit up against that trope of um oh in the in the 11th hour we're gonna pull out a save where the captain's like wait and the security chief's like we need to fire we need to fire it's like no wait okay now and he's like our shields are down she's like okay do it now and he's like actually we can't because i saw so our weapons are disabled now what the <laughs> fuck we should have shot when i first told you we should have shot <laughs> you know about that episode i loved how all three plot lines converged that was just awesome that was cool because it's very rare that we ask that you, and maybe it's just me it's very rare that i see it but everything just came together like a dysfunctional voltron right <laughs> well we've been talking about the fact that the earlier episodes just seemed to be kind of like you know kinda almost like sitcom and this felt like a threaded episode for the first mm -hmm. time you know, it felt like it all, you know, each part worked together as opposed to just a bunch of slapstick events taking place independent from each other. But I love this ongoing narrative of how they've kind of crammed, like, the the everyday insanity of working a job with mm -hmm. Star Trek. Yeah. Because that's, that's essentially what this, this is, like, office space or the office or, but it's on a starship. <laughs> yeah, right. this, this show made me realize that, you know, it's kind of like a workplace comedy but in essence all of star trek is like a workplace drama just the same as like the medical or law or all those other places and i never thought of that before until i watched this this mm -hmm. um comedy of just pointing out the little different tropes and stuff like oh of course the holodeck is going to fail and then you're going to have a maddening character that's going to try to really kill you uh, because that's what happens in Star Trek. Um, and then you're going to have like this new intelligent life form f form itself and try to devour the ship because that's what happens. And this is just like a, an average workday in Starfleet. And it's just, it was just very amusing to me how they, they've been pulling this off. My other favorite one was, uh, was um, the uh, padding time into your tasks. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because, huh? Very relatable. Yes. Because it's true, like, people, uh, you know, there's this expectation that everybody functions at optimal efficiency, but that's not really how things get done. Yeah. I mean, stuff can't get done that way because we see what happens if you try to cram all that stuff into one day. Or you you have that person that's like Bomber that's just very efficient at what they're doing, and every and the captain tries to elevate everyone to that person's level, not realizing that that person is a bit of an anomaly, and you can't have everyone be a Bomber at all. And then you also have to look at the types of tasks that Boimler does, right? So yeah. Boimler is not the same as uh, 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 Rutherford. Mm-hmm who does very, like, labor into, like, very, you know, mundane. He takes joy in very mundane, like, labor-intensive things. Yeah. And that's not that Boiler. Like, Boiler can do the tasks the, the way that he can because he, there's a different level of focus there. Mm-hmm. Has anyone ever been in Boiler work? Oh, God, no. No. <laughs> I guess it was just me. <laughs> no. Y'all want to take back uh, how y'all emphatically just said no? I feel like you were hurting feelings and I, you know, I was... No. Um, <laughs> when I particularly did this one particular job, I was very efficient at it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that I was blowing the curve because I was just very good at what I was doing. But it was a very, it's a very mundane, very um, tedious, very repetitive task type of a deal. Mm -hmm. And not everybody could do at that level speed that I was doing. And it was like, other people were like, hey, man, you need, to, you need to slow down a little bit. I know you're good at your job. And I say not to be good at your job, but you just, could you just slow down a bit? Because you're, you're fucking up for the rest of us. I was like, how am I fucking just, just trying to make this? No, they need to get on your level. No, they need to get on your level. That's all it is. <laughs> no, see the problem is I can't be a boiler, and I'm sure like Joseph, you can you can relate to this. I can't be a boiler because part of a uh, part of my job responsibilities basically are to be reactive when things break. Yep. And so you can't be highly efficient in that with those job responsibilities because it's not something that you can plan out. 
Yeah, I have no way of knowing if, say, for example, one of the tech software programs that we use um, is going to have a maintenance window that's going to completely break something else and it's going to take 48 to 72 hours to fix it. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Or, that, what I do. <laughs> or if one of my platform vendors uh, releases a patch that breaks everything else and now customers can't access the systems that they want. You know, I, yeah, I, that's not I mean, something I can plan out for. Or, or you can get ransomware. Someone help with an email. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, our our my school district, my kids' school district got hit with a ransomware attack on Friday. What? Mm-hmm. You know what? I think someone targeted them because they don't want the kids going to school. No, or they didn't want to go to school. <laughs> it was they is they posted why, but they were targeting different things. Uh-huh. But yeah, it's like it's like oh, switch to asynchronous, and I tried, at first they said the Verizon was down. I'm like, and so I, I was out taking my son to a doctor, my other son to a doctor's appointment. So I texted my son that was in school, quote unquote, saying, "Is our internet down?" He was like, "No, it's not us. It's the school district's Verizon that's down." Mm-hmm. Yep, they sure did. Cause yep, they sure did. Oh, sorry, they targeted our school district, <laughs> our K through twelve school district. That's the new bomb threat. I don't know if you guys got that in high school. Yeah, um, but, we did. Yeah. Well, and it was a thing, too, where it was like, my son was like, this is why they should have been doing our school asynchronously instead of sitting here talking to us from 8 to 2, four days a week. Anyway. Ah, um, any other highlights before we jump into the news section that Hirosh is going to lead our discussion on? Um, uh, what, okay. Go ahead. You know, no, go ahead. I, I just wanted to, to, to make comment about the uh the, the arena fight where ransom was <laughs> fighting with his hand with his fist clasped together <laughs> that seems to be how everyone on this show fights except for <laughs> they do the kirk hands all the time right that's i mean i just the little things that totally amuse me like they, they really know and love star trek because <laughs> if i watch if i I, the number of fights I watched when I did my uh, D Space Nine uh, rewatch, where Cisco had his hand, his fist clasped together, <laughs> doing that big judo move. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, what, I think the doctor ex- explained how there was like a little bit of Game of Thrones level of violence. Was anyone expecting Ransom to have dropped the sword on her foot <laughs> to stop Mariner? I did not see that coming at all. No. See you coming. Oh, I was like, I yelled. I was like, what? But in hindsight, it fits his character. <laughs> I love these characters so much. <laughs> they are so insane. It's great. It, it, you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> All of them are nuts. Who would serve with these people? Everyone on that ship. That's the answer. <laughs> And I love those types of shows. I really do. Like, uh, I've been talking on Twitter about, like, I got sucked into Search Party. And I love that show, too, because everybody on that show is an asshole. <laughs> it's like there's no one redeeming on that show. <laughs> oh, boy. I need to do some research on something that's Star Wars related. But go ahead. Okay, is it just me, or did, did, did Mariner seem toned down a little bit last episode? Yeah, she did. She did. Little, yeah. You know, she's she normally is is balls to the wall, but this episode, this past episode, she seemed like she was like everyone everyone was able to catch up with her, and I think that might have been because uh, Fletcher was such a nut bar <laughs> that she had to tone it down a little bit. Yeah, she was in a she was put in a position where she had to be the straight man, right? <laughs> um, Choo choo dance. Yeah, you can't do that. Okay. Um, the only thing I like to highlight is like the the creator of the show, Mike McBannon, really loves Star Trek. You can just tell by like the aliens in the background and the little jokes that they throw in, from like Moriarty for for the holodeck stuff to uh, uh, Q to like all the little references that are made in the background and 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 how the characters act. But I think the best one was the end of the fourth episode with the, the time. People uh, 
doing the time management thing and how Boimer was like praised in the feature. And then the next slide was Miles O'Brien. <laughs> the greatest Starfleet, you know, Starfleet person ever. And I, I just, I just, I love the fact that there's a number of writers and they've been part of Star Trek for a while, but they're now like the actual like heads and creators love Star Trek. And they want to add to the continuum of this, of these shows, of the Star Trek, I guess, universe, if you will. It's great. It's great. Yeah. Okay. Um, before we go into Star Trek news, I don't know what, see, this is why I don't go on Twitter often. Because all of a sudden, um, I saw where one of the people that I follow said, you know, that's why Henry Cavill dumped your ass. So I'm like, okay, what 18-year-old got... You know, <laughs> <laughs> Although, <laughs> to be fair to Henry, to be fair to Hank, ever since that last 19-year-old, he been keeping his nose clean and just gaming and minding his business. So I'm, I'm going to leave him, I'm going to leave Hank alone. <laughs> So I'm doing some digging, and apparently people are alleging that Gina Carano is transphobic. Our girl Gina Carano, who plays in The Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see that. Yeah, okay, yeah, so, yeah. On my, yeah. On, yeah. Okay, so one, I'm looking. One of the major figures on my on my first list, and yeah, I, I woke up to that news, and I was like, no, nah, I'm not. So I don't, I don't know what. Okay, so apparently there was a UFC fight last night, and she wished. She said, you know, good luck. I'm excited to see these two ladies fight. I'm just going to read what I was able to find and I'm on her direct timeline. Right. So that's all I'm seeing. She said that. And then some Joe Pags, Joe talk show, whatever. I'm not this brutalized. That man's last name said at Gina Carano, not being coy. What in the woke world mad about at you about? I'm looking at your tweets. Are they mad? You call two women in a UFC fight. Ladies fill a brother in. And she replied, they're mad. Cause I won't put pronouns in my bio to show my support for trans lives. After months of harassing me in every way, I decided to put three very controversial words in my bio. Beep, bop, boop. I'm not against trans lives at all. They need to find less abusive uh, representation. Um, and then someone said, can you see how some will read that as mocking? And she replied, I don't think that trans people would like all of you trying to force a woman to put something in her bio through harassment and name calling every day for months, such as racist, transphobe, bitch, weirdo. I hope you die. I hope you lose your career. You're fat. You're ugly. Maybe they should be mad at the mockery so many of you made of them. I sure would be if I were them. Maybe wiping the slate clean without the hate speech towards others isn't a bad idea at this point. I know trans people wouldn't condone this harassment when they hear about the children, women, and men who have contacted me thanking me for taking a stand against these bullies because it affected their mental health to the point of near suicide at times. Yeah, that's happening. Um... And then someone said, don't speak for trans people when you literally have boop, bop, beep in your name as a joke instead of just putting pronouns in your bio. Or, okay, I'm going to say something controversial. Is putting pronouns in your bio helpful in normalizing it? Yes. Is it a requirement? No, I don't think so. And I don't think anyone should be harassed for choosing not to. She didn't pull a um, J.K. Rowling. She just said that I'm, that is, I don't feel, it's not something I'm, interested in doing I, I don't know maybe I'm wrong for having that approach I, I'm not understanding why they're coming for her well she you know it was kind of an asshole thing to put the beep bop boop in there that was an asshole thing but I don't know that that was transphobic I don't know no, I don't know the rules I don't know the rules here's my thinking on that uh, I don't necessarily know if she's transphobic or not because I don't really follow her like that uh, the 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 beep bop boop beep boop bop whatever the 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 Bill Cosby sounds that she put in her um, name whatever it is she could have left those out she yeah. could have said nothing she could have done nothing she yeah. could have just continued to ignore it yeah exist. yes and she decided she wanted to 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 put those in there as a quote unquote joke and she 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 yeah. brought herself. Yeah, it's the, it's a problem. I mean, because yeah, there's a certain thing. There's such a thing as, as performative allyship in there, and the you know putting your pronouns there. I put my pronouns on 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 um on my Twitter um 
and yeah, there you know I, there are reasons, but I'll also whenever I can you know try to uh, raise awareness of trans issues. Um, but I think there's a certain part of it where people do these things just as a form of, of performative allyship. Right. And then that's when the harassment and all that kind of like, you're not doing it. Well, no, maybe I don't want to perform my allyship in that way. The beat bop boot was a dick move. Yeah. Oh, like, totally I don't think a dick anybody move. is going to dispute that. Yeah. That was a dick move. It was a dick move. I, and I agree. Like I have, I've had my pronouns in there for quite some time. I have no problem doing it, but I also don't take issue with people who choose to choose not to. You know what it right. kind of reminds me of too, is the whole back in the day, during the fight for um, gay marriage, everybody's like, you shouldn't call that person your husband, that you should call him your, your partner. I was like, but if that's my husband and that's how I identify it, I get that you're trying to normalize partner. I would like to give you the chance to call your male partner, if you're a gay man, your husband, by fighting for the right for you to actually have him have that legal designation or your gay wife that, or if you're non-binary, you want to go by partner, is fine. But I think the problem is too often it winds up being a battle of extremes. Does that mm. make sense? I don't know. I feel like. I'm yeah. Talking. I mean, no, I, I get that with the, with the whole spouse, partner, wife thing. Um, because there are a number of different spaces that will debate like what you should call your partner or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and my wife is my wife. Like, you're not going to make me say something, you know, designate her or something other than that's my comfort. Um, and everyone should feel comfortable with saying, you know, defining their relationship the way that they want to, that they want to. I think that's ultimately what it should be. I think, you know, there's a, again, there's a part of me that sort of wants to draw this distinction between like a mandatory form of performative allyship and actually being an ally to someone. Yes, yes. Like you, you do can have somebody that, like, the putting you, your pronouns on your Twitter account in and of itself is not allyship, exactly. right? That's performative. You know what? Because you know what's funny? You know who else could put their pronouns on their um profile? JK Rowling. You know who's still a transphobe? JK Rowling. Right. That's so, essen- like, that's essentially understand. what that long ass think piece was, was her declaring her pronouns. So, I mean, I can get, but, you know, Twitter is not the place for, for nuance. I just, <laughs> I, you know, I just, for me, it was just like, I'm not doing this. Now, I, my, I've heard that she said some other things that probably that ruffled some other people's feathers. Okay. But here's the thing. I don't follow Gina Carano for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I know this is not the best thing to say. I find her very attractive. And that is the reason why I don't follow her. <laughs> Listen, the lesson the better. <laughs> right. I don't need to know. I'm never going to meet this woman in my life. I don't need to know how she feels about things. <laughs> <laughs> I swear see pictures of her. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> and watch her in The Mandalorian. And I'm sorry. That may be me being a bad ally. But, I mean, I, I'm just... I'm so tired. <laughs> uh, I hear you. I hear you. I can't. I I don't know the rules. I don't know the rules. I'm so I'm tired. tired. I don't know the rules. The goalposts move every day. It's like when I, when I say on Twitter that somebody is really attractive and then people just jump in my mission. Well, you know she. No, I didn't. And I didn't appreciate you telling me that. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just find somebody attractive? <laughs> is that okay with you? No. <laughs> this, 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 and this, and this. That, that. <laughs> Quit. Yep. And in yep. 1998, when they were two, they said this. No. So, <laughs> like, bruh. <laughs> I mean, so what? I didn't know, you know that I could live the rest of my life without knowing this. I mean, you know, if it come, if it comes staring me in the face, like, like the whole beat by boot. Yo, that was a dick move. Like, you're really a piece of shit for doing that. Oh, for sure. I still think you're attractive, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still going to look at pictures of you. <laughs> oh, it's just a mess. Anyway, back to Star Trek. Back to Star Trek. Gina, Yeah. you know what? Just just be quiet, baby. You ain't got to say nothing. You really don't have to say nothing. That's why I feel like people don't... Be, you know what? Be like your fellow uh, Marvel compatriot, Chadwick. Rest in peace, Chad. 
That man said his piece and he kept his business private. Mm-hmm. Be like Chad. You ain't got to say nothing. Be like Chad. Anyway, back to the Star Trek news. I'm going to turn that over to Hiroja, who is our news anchor when it comes to <laughs> these kinds of things. <laughs> guys, wow. <laughs> um, so, uh, there's been some Star Trek news. Uh, Star Trek had Star Trek Day, which is September 8th. Uh, it was a 24-hour marathon of where, if you were in the States, sorry, international fans, you were able to see, like, key episodes streamed on their site. Um, and then they opened up, uh, starting uh, that day uh, at noon, uh, different panels from all the shows, from Lower Decks to Strange New Worlds, Star Trek Discovery, uh, Next Generation Voyager. Um, not everyone is there for all the panels, but... Um, I watched most of them. Um, you can see them on StarTrek.com. There's some news. There was just um, a lot of warmth and camaraderie between the actors as they kind of reminisced and talked about their shows and their characters, particularly the Deep Space Nine and Enterprise shows, which um, are starting to really get a lot of love lately uh, simply because of Netflix. And they talk about it, they, especially the Deep Space Nine crew, talk about how there's a new wave of fans coming to them and they're getting a lot of love from the fans out there. Yes. Yes. They're saying yes. I'm seeing it too, and I'm like, like, I saw somebody I'm connected to on Twitter and on Facebook had started Deep Mm -hmm. Space Nine. I was like, welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. So they talk about that. They talk about they having fans that are like 15 years old saying, you know, um, I really love the show. Um, Different communities, particularly from the LGBTQ community, I don't think I'm saying all the acronyms, and I apologize. Um, particularly with Deep Space Nine, the characters there, how they identify with the different characters and the different relationships from that show. They saw like themselves in Dax, uh, they, in the things of that, of that nature. So that was very refreshing. Um, the other news, which was announced before Star Trek Day, was the fact that uh, Star Trek Discovery in the new season um, we're going to have a non-binary and openly trans character on the show. Actor. Yes. Yes, I did see that. I was like, yay, let's go. Yes. Yes, let's yes go. baby, let's yes. go. <laughs> and uh, Walk that walk, Star Trek. Walk that walk. And if you watch the panels, you can see kind of the progression of the discussions, how going from kind of what is known as queer coded, where it's not very like clear explicitly that someone might be queer or trans or just have one-off guests to actually openly having we have gay relationships we have gay actors we have gay characters we have trans people non-binary people and sticking their foot down and saying these people exist and they exist in the future just you know get with it and so that's very admirable of uh, star trek doing that and it's a wonderful progression because it is really sort of a reflection of how science fiction has evolved in general so like Mm -hmm. you know one of the biggest issues with um uh, you know from ursula de gwen and octavia butler is that you know science fiction in their time addressed um gender and race issues by just throwing in aliens and making allegorical Mm -hmm. and um you know once you start to bring people in who have those voices um you, you know, it, it becomes well. Why are you? Why are you doing this? Why are you being allegorical about it? You know, my life. You know, do we not exist in the future? Does my life not have meaning that I should be able to see myself in the future? You know, and I think that there were that some of these things probably would not have been well. Clearly, they weren't possible. Um, outside of allegory of Star Trek because of the times that we live in. And it's great that Star Trek has decided that, you know, number one, the times have changed. And number two, you know, damn what you think about it. This is what we're going to do. Yes. And Star Trek, when you talk about the writers and stuff, have a long time, all the way from Next Generation, have wanted to have gay characters on their show. They wanted to address these issues concerning um, sexual politics and those type of relationships. But the network or the producers just basically pretty much shut it down and went to allegory. Now we live in different times where it's not possible to shut shut those voices down. You have to embrace it. And it's just refreshing, engaging, and it's nice to know that uh, part of our community is going to be represented through this, this show. 
Um, the other thing is that Star Trek Discovery Season 1, because of the end times that we are living in, we have this small blessing. I don't know how they're going to edit this show. It is going to be on 10 p.m. Um, <laughs> Thursday, September 24th, is the first season of Star Trek Discovery is going to premiere on broadcast television. Um, now, my understanding was that this was something that they had initially planned to do on the BBC, but now they're doing this on the CBS. And I guess it will be on the BBC, but it'll be the day after on Fridays. So if you have CBS All Access or you watch broadcast television through your cable, you can, you know, hop your family member on, turn the TV on, and you can watch Star Trek on regular TV. I don't know if anyone had any thoughts on that. Let's <laughs> also decide, like, with the, 10, with the 10 o'clock time slot, I don't know that they need to do too much editing. I mean, they can get rid of the clean. You got to edit What'd you say? Yeah, you can get rid, you can get rid of the you can get rid of the Klingon goodies. You know, I don't never need to see that again. <laughs> but, uh, hey, you know, I had I had I had strategically like selectively forgotten that, and I don't appreciate. I do not appreciate <laughs> that being brought back into my realm of understanding of a thing that happened because they raped my baby. <laughs> yeah, I, so, yeah, I'm sorry. Trigger warning, everybody. I'm sorry. No, I'm they so sorry. Baby, they ain't rape him. They did. That was rape, sir. Sir. Um, <laughs> to cap all that, it's supposed to go broadcast every Thursday um, all the way to the 30th of December of this year. So all 15 episodes will be broadcast on um, on television. And we'll see from there how they're going to start doing their programming for um, next year. I don't have high hopes. I don't think names are not going to be normal until 2025, but that's just me. I want to um, go outside and see people. Um, <laughs> uh, the other news is that uh, Star Trek Discovery Season 3's trailer dropped on Star Trek um, Day. So if you want to see that, you can go on YouTube or StarTrek.com and see that trailer. It was pretty epic, but if you want to go in fresh, you don't have to see it. It's, it's pretty cool. Oh, it was beautiful. It was it's, beautiful. It's new logo and everything. It's the oh. best. Look, and, I, yeah, go ahead. I want to take this opportunity again because we've already kind of, uh, through the course of this uh, uh, podcast, determined that I'm getting the asshole in the podcast award. Um, yeah, fuck you guys for not being patient with the show. Because <laughs> they're now 900 years in the fl- in, in the future. And I've said this, you know, in previous episodes, that was always the plan. You could tell that that was always the plan. Yeah. You guys look stupid, don't you? <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> And the last bit of news is that there is going to be an official Star Trek podcast called Star Trek The Pod Directive that drops uh, September 14th. And it's being hosted by Paul F. Tompkins. And um, our girl, hold on. Tony. Tony Newsom. They didn't have her name in this article. That is just outlandish. Yes, Tony Newsom, who seems to be keeping a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, she will also be, yeah, she's like in this and Space Force, so yeah. Um, yeah, she'll be hosting the, the comedy podcast and will be interviewing uh, different people from the Star Trek universe and uh, different uh, political people, including Stacey Adams, about Star Trek. So, something to look forward to if you're um, neck deep in the podcast game. And that's pretty much all the news there is, really. That doesn't get into spoiler territory. Nice. Very nice. Very nice. All of this is great. I have one comment that isn't directly related to Star Trek about mm-hmm. CBS, CBS's programming. Mm-hmm. I love how it looks like some of the people that are getting the last laugh are the people that were shut out of CBS's programming. Like, for instance, One Day at a Time, which should, all, should have always been on CBS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, you love to see it. Yes, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that a certain figure that used to head the corporation, I believe he died, 
and other people have been kicked out. And so there has been a significant regime change. And if you do have CPS All Access, uh, you might notice that there's a lot of new programming on there. They it are is. starting to consolidate merge stuff. Yeah, BT, oh. Comedy Central, Crunchyroll. There's a bunch of stuff on there. Oh, Crunchyroll? Mm-hmm. I think, oh. so. I want to say, yeah. I know Nickelodeon's on there. So, yes. Because so, I went I went ahead and broke down and bought it uh, so my son could have access to it. It's CBS, BET, Comedy Central, MTV, Nickelodeon, and the Smithsonian Channel. So, yeah, yeah, I may have to decouple my uh, CBS All Access from Amazon and just go straight with the with the app. Yeah, that's um, what I ended up doing. I didn't have it on Amazon. I just signed in directly through CBS. Same. So, yeah, so there's a lot of programming. Of course, there's Star Trek all over the yard on, on that app. And, you know, you know, things are changing, and I think it's just great. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward for Star Trek Discovery to drop. I'm also looking forward to uh, when this show does premiere on television and seeing more fans coming to um, come in coming back to Star Trek, if you will, because maybe they're not on Netflix or they're not on CBS app. They didn't want to pay. Well, now you don't have to pay. You can see this greatness on your television screen. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to pay after you finish watching it because, you know, the first hit is free. Yes, yeah. <laughs> cool. Any other news? Is that it? That's it without getting too spoilery. So, but that's the highlights. I, I just think that the, you know, I just can't wait for Star Trek Discovery to drop. I just can't wait. I think I'm glad they took their time. And granted, Absolutely. I granted they had to have additional time because of COVID, but before that, they like took their time and I'm glad they did so. It just looks so good. Like that trailer is just, it doesn't give you anything, but it, but you see it and you're like, yo, I can't wait for this. That's because they took the notes from Marvel. And yeah. I talked about this before, how Star Trek is taking all its little children and grandchildren and great grandchildren things and like bringing it back into itself. So they definitely took some notes from all the Marvel trailers. It's like, okay, how can we incorporate this into what we're doing? You know, what it does is it gives you an opportunity to, to, to fan script your own, like, story about where this is going. But don't do that. You don't know where it's going to go. And that it's just, it's just so good. Yeah, the best thing about this is, you know, go along on the ride. Don't, like, like, like uh, Paris said, don't try to, to fan cast or fan write the series finale or whatever the case may be. Just Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. It's a fun show. It's a all of, Lower Decks is a fun show. Uh, Picard was a fun show. Uh, Discovery is a fun show. Just ha- have fun. It's okay. It's all right to 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 sit down and watch TV and actually enjoy it and not try to nitpick a thousand different things that you that you say are wrong with are wrong with what's going on when truth of the matter is there's nothing wrong it's just your own foibles so just chill you don't have to like it and there's, yeah, that there's stuff that I don't like or haven't watched I'm not going to say shit about it because I don't like it and haven't watched and my, my opinion ain't needed on everything and I wish more people would understand you don't need to give an opinion about everything but I always say, don't yuck other people's yum. Don't do it. And only that, but Star Trek now has enough shows to where there is a show for somebody. And the old stuff hasn't disappeared. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere. Like, Star Trek is not just on Netflix or is on Amazon, is on CBS Access. You can find the movies on some of these free uh, apps like Tubi or Internet Movie Database. There's something there for everybody. And so if you don't like Picard, then maybe you might like Discovery. If you don't like Discovery, maybe you like Picard. Uh, if you don't like those two, maybe you'll like Lower Decks or uh, Strange New Worlds, which I think is going to really shock people. Um, <laughs> and um, and uh, the Star Trek Prodigy, which we're calling Fast and Furious in Spice. I mean, there's something for everybody. 
That's the most brilliant thing. And I, I know we've talked about this repeatedly, and I think we should talk about it more in every time because it's it's just brilliant the way that that Star Trek is sort of do is 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 going about this. You know, and I was just having a conversation earlier today on Twitter where I said it's getting increasingly increasingly difficult for long running IPs to please like both the canon and hardcore fandom and then the casual viewers. And Star Trek is doing it. You know, before I would say you can't be all things to all people, but Star Trek is doing it. You know, I think people are being unfair in not allowing certain IPs that don't don't have as large a sandbox as Star Trek, like, for instance, Star Wars, to become what Star Trek is. But Star Trek really has done a phenomenal job of saying, okay, we're taking this show and we're for the people that are hardcore into the lore, let's give them Picard. You know, for people that just want something light and funny, let's give them Lower Decks. Mm. You know, somebody who's just jumping in who may just be a casual Star Trek fan. Yo, Discovery is great for this. I just, I'm just in awe of how, how well this has been executed. Well said. I think that's a good note to end on. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you everyone for joining us. We will be back in a few weeks. Pro- How many- okay, I always forget. We'll be I back think- in a few weeks with the last four. We'll just group the last four. It makes the most sense to do it that way. Yeah, sounds good to me. All right. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Take it easy, y'all.